The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Well, good morning, church. Uh, for those who don't know, my name is Shane. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at LCC North Lakes, also one of the elders. And I have the privilege this morning of preaching as we are continuing this series looking at discipleship. And as you heard Luke say before, our mission statement here at LCC is that we exist to make mature and multiply disciples of Jesus. And so before we can do that, I think the question that we need to answer is what is actually a disciple? Like, like what are we making, what are we maturing, and what are we multiplying? And so we have spent some time as a leadership kind of praying, looking through Scripture, what we think a disciple is, and we've narrowed it down to, we've just used these three words that are kind of helpful and practical and able to, to move forward in terms of what a disciple is. And we've kind of said that a disciple is someone who knows Jesus, trusts Jesus, and follows Jesus. Someone who knows Jesus, trusts Jesus, and follows Jesus. And so over the next few weeks, what are we doing is we're kind of unpacking each of these elements. And so last week, Kylam spoke about what it means to know Jesus, what it means to know his, uh, his character, his nature, what it means to know his word, what it means uh, to know him on a personal level, have a relationship with him. And then this morning, we're going to look at what it means to follow Jesus, because, because Christianity isn't just about knowing things in our head. It's also about living these things out. It's, it's no less than the pursuit of the knowledge of the glory of God, but it's far more than that. It's living out that knowledge of who God is and what that means for us. And so this morning, we're going to look at following Jesus. Like, what does it mean to actually follow Jesus? And so what we're going to do, as we've, uh, the last few weeks, we've been camped out in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Uh, we're just going to read this again as a church. It's going to come up on the screen. Uh, before they do it, I want to remind us that this is God's word. He is who he says he is. He has done what he says he has done, and he will do what he says he will do. Amen? Amen. Let's read together. Let's all, let's all read this together as a church. It's up on the screen. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you that you have given this command to go and make disciples. And thank you as in that you have promised to be with us. And so, Lord, I thank you this morning that you are here by your Spirit. Would you help us this morning not just be hearers of your word, but doers also? Would you, would you speak through me? Would you open our eyes and our hearts to hear your voice and to apply the truths that we are going to learn to our lives, that at the end of all this, we might look more like Christ than we did when we came in? In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Who here has Facebook? I need you to all to participate in this. Chuck your hand up if you have Facebook. Like I'm assuming most people. Don't be shy. Do you have Facebook? Cool. Keep your hand up if you have Facebook and Instagram. Facebook and... Why did more hands go up? If you have Facebook and Instagram, keep your hand up. Okay, cool. Keep your hand up if you have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Okay, we lost a few there. Keep your hand up if you have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Okay, great. Yeah, I thought we lost everyone over the age of 16, apart from Sarah Moore. So, which is fine. She, she runs social media. That's good. But, like, right here we got what it truly means to be a follower, right? Like, right, like in this world where we live in, this social media age, this understanding of, of what it means to be a follower is really just watching and observing. 
is just sitting on your couch, sometimes your toilet, and just watching and observing people. Like, that's, that's what our understanding of following has come to. And I think this has kind of crept into our understanding of what it means biblically to follow Jesus. Like, our idea of following has become so distorted by the world that we live in right now. And I think it plays out in a bunch of ways that sometimes we don't even see. Like, for instance, if someone came up to me on the street and was just like, hey, mate, can you follow me? Like, I'm not dropping my coffee, saying goodbye to my wife, and following this random down the road. Like, most likely, I'm just going to whip my phone out and be like, okay, this is weird, but like, what are you on, Instagram, Facebook? Like, that's, that's what it's mean. And I think this idea of following has crept into the church. And so we're going to look at what it means to actually follow Jesus, because talking about following Jesus is talking about having a relationship with him. There needs to be closeness. There needs to be proximity. Like the God of the universe, the one who created all things, desires to have a relationship with us, like a deep abiding relationship. And when Jesus called his disciples, he didn't just call them to watch him and observe him. He called them to come along with him, to walk with him, to sit at his feet, to serve him, to follow all that he does, to do as he does, and to live as he lived. But for us, like we don't have the physical Jesus here with us. We don't have Christ incarnate. So what does it mean for us to follow Jesus? Well, whilst we don't have Jesus physically here in his body, we do have him here by the Holy Spirit and his word. And so we are called to the same thing, to, to be close to Jesus, to have a relationship with Jesus. And so what I think it fundamentally means for us to follow Jesus is three things. I think it means communion with Christ, obedience to Christ, and surrender to Christ. I think these are three key elements of what it is to truly be a follower of Jesus. Communion, obedience, and surrender. And so I want to kind of walk through these and look at them at what they mean. And so first, communion. Like I, like I said before, following Jesus is first and foremost about a relationship with Jesus. Having communion with Jesus, being close to Jesus. We cannot follow somebody that we are not close with. We cannot follow somebody that we do not spend time with. So communion with Christ is fundamental to being a disciple of Jesus, being a follower of Jesus, praying to him, listening to him, reading his word, getting to know him, having time just being in his presence like Carly was speaking about before. This is fundamental. Communing with Jesus is what it is to be a follower of Jesus because we cannot follow somebody that we're not close to, that we're not in the presence of. And so a good example of this is, if I said to you, like, after the service, guys, I'm throwing a massive party. There's a big feast happening. There's going to be every kind of food that you could desire, the best people in the world. There's going to be party games. There's going to be a, a corner for the introverts, too. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be held in Fernborough City. Like, I'll meet you all there. And like, most of you go, well, I actually have no idea where Fernborough City is. And I can guarantee you nobody does because I just made it up. But if you're like, okay, Shane, like, how do I get there? And I go, it's fine. Follow me. Jump in your car and follow me. And as we're driving, what are you doing? Are you just looking around the window? No, like you're focused on me. Like your eyes are on me. You're saying as close as you possibly can to my car so you can follow me to this destination. Like you're cutting people off left, right, and saying, you're on that horn. Get out of my way. I'm following Shane. And the same goes with our relationship with Jesus. Like there needs to be closeness in order to follow him. We need to be in his presence. Because the moment we go, it's fine. I've got this on my own. I'll meet you there is the moment we get lost. The moment we start to do this thing called life in our own strength is the moment that we get lost. And I think, I think Moses knew this better than anyone. Like we read in Exodus 33, Jesus, uh, God says to Moses, hey, I'm going to give you the promised land. You, you can go up to the promised land. 
Like this land that he promised to his ancestors flowing with milk and honey and prosperity, what he's been longing for his entire life. And then God says, I'm actually going to send an angel before you too. It's going to wipe out all your enemies, but I'm just, I'm just not going to come. And so here, Moses has been promised the thing that his heart has longed for his entire life. Without even a hurdle, his enemy's going to be wiped out. But God's not going to be there. And so we read Moses' response in Exodus 33, 15. He says, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? Moses is saying, hey, like, if your presence isn't coming with me, God, I'm not going. Like, God, if you're not going to be with us, I don't want to be there. Why? Because the presence of God, a relationship with God, communion with God was greater than anything this world could offer, even a promised land. It's Moses like, hey, I do not want to go where you're not. Because true life is found in the presence of God in communion with God. And if you're not here, a Christ, if you're not a Christian here this morning, this is what Christianity is, having a relationship with Jesus, just spending time with Jesus, communing with Jesus. And so Moses says, hey, I don't want to be there, God, if you are not going to be there. Because we cannot claim to be followers of Christ if we do not spend time with him. And so I want to encourage us this morning, spend time with Jesus. If we want to grow in our discipleship, if we want to grow in our following, it first things begins with growing in our time spent with Jesus. Just being with Jesus, talking to Jesus, praying to Jesus, listening to his voice, reading his word. Because this is what discipleship is. So like our motivation for discipleship is the presence of God. Like we read that in Matthew 20, Jesus says, I'm going to go with you. And so our motivation for discipleship is the presence of God. The way that discipleship is accomplished in our life is the presence and power of God within us. And our hope for discipleship, in the end of all things, is the presence of God forevermore. And so we need to be serious about spending time with Jesus and sitting in his presence because this is what discipleship is all about, being in the presence of Jesus. The story of the Bible is God with us, God desiring to be with his people. How many of us go through our days without acknowledging that God is actually with us? Because the promise for us Christians here is that the Holy Spirit lives within us, God lives with us, dwells within us. How many of us live as though that is true? That the creator of all things is with us every single moment of our day? Like, Do we go throughout our day acknowledging that fact? Or do we maybe acknowledge it in the morning and then once we get to work we kind of forget I want to encourage us as a church. Let's remember the truths of the gospel. That God sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. That at any moment of any day, we can commune with the God of all things. We can talk to the God of the universe. Because he is our good father. See, part of following Jesus is imitating Jesus. Part of being a follower of Jesus is imitating Jesus. You cannot imitate what you can't see. You cannot imitate what you can't see, and you can't see what you're not close to. And so we need to be close to Jesus. Yes, he is with us. That's the promise of the gospel. But are we acknowledging his presence in our lives? Because the, the outcome of our discipleship is the likeness of Christ. Like our imitation is that the outcome of our discipleship is the likeness of Christ. And if we want to be more and more like Jesus... We need to see Jesus. We need to spend time with Jesus. But 
following Jesus isn't just about going where he goes. It's not just about being with him. It's also about doing as he does and living as he lives. Part of being a follower of Jesus is also being obedient to Jesus, being obedient to his commands. And this is the difference between being a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. Being a fan of Jesus, you can sit back and you can watch and you go, yeah, that's great. I love that. Oh, he's such a good moral teacher. Being a follower of Jesus is being obedient to his call in our lives, understanding that he is the king of all things. He is the Lord of all things. And so if we desire to grow in our following of Jesus, in our discipleship of Jesus, we need to be obedient. Yes, we need to know things about him because we cannot follow and we cannot trust what we do not know. But if our knowledge never leads our, head, leads our heads and gets to our hearts and our hands, then we have just become like the Pharisees. And so we need to allow the knowledge of God to move to our hearts, that we might apply it with our hands. Because what I, what I truly believe is, is right knowledge, like right thinking, should always lead to right action. Like a right understanding of God and His Word should always lead us to right living. Like this is, this is kind of the argument, the controversial statement that James makes in his letter. Like faith without works is dead. Like he's, he's making this point. Like a right understanding of what God has done for us on the cross should always compel us to right living. As the gospel is applied to our hearts. But, but hear me, like, like, like hear this. You are not saved by your obedience. Like you're not. Like you're not saved by, you never can be saved by your obedience. It has always been that you have been saved in and by and through the grace of Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross. Like you are saved by grace, you are sustained by grace, you are sanctified by grace and one day in the end you're gonna be glorified by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. Like that's the gospel. You are not saved by your obedience to Jesus. But... If there is no sign of obedience in our lives, or maybe, maybe better put, if there is no sign of a desire to be obedient to King Jesus, then we need to ask the question, is there faith there at all? If there's no, like, maybe not if there's no obedience because some of us fall short, all of us fall short, some of us don't do the right thing a lot of the time, but if there is no desire in our heart to follow his commands, then we need to ask the question, is there faith there at all? You are not saved by your obedience. Like, I want to make that clear. Obedience isn't the gospel, but obedience is evident that the gospel is at work in your heart. Obedience to Jesus' command is evidence that the gospel is at work in our heart. So part of following Jesus is not just spending time with him. It's also being obedient to his word, which leads us then to desire to know Jesus more. Like the cool thing about all these knowing, trusting, and following Jesus, they all point to each other. Like as you grow in your knowledge of Jesus, you grow, actually, he is able to be trusted. And as you trust Jesus, you desire to follow him. And as we follow Jesus, we realize, hey, he is good and he is faithful, so we can trust him more. And as we trust him, we know that he is trustworthy. And so we, we know him more. And as we grow in our knowledge, and it's this cycle of discipleship forevermore until we're one day back in the presence of Jesus as humanity was in the garden. And so our desire to be followers of Jesus is a desire to be obedient to his commands. Jesus doesn't require perfection. Like, he doesn't require perfection. He is the only perfect one, but he does require obedience. 
John, in his first letter, he writes this. And by this, we know that we have come to know him. Like, and by this, we know that we have come. We know we have a relationship with God if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. Like, how do we know we're, we're disciples of Jesus? If we keep his commands, if there is a desire to follow him, not just as Savior, but as Lord of our lives. And then Jesus himself says in John 14, 15, if you love me, what? You keep my commands. Like if we love Jesus, we will keep his commands. Trev, a month or so ago, preached about loving God. And he's like, yeah, like we all love God. But a great way to see if we truly love God is if we keep his commands. If we keep the greatest commandment, this one commandment, to love God and love others. Like a great way to look in at our own hearts and go, how are we going at following Jesus is to ask, how are we going at loving God and loving those around me? Like just a, just a, a quick test to see how we're going at following Jesus. And so following Jesus is a call to obedience, to live as he did, to, to do as he does, to put on his character, to follow the commands, to love God and love one another, to not forsake the gathering, to use our gifts to build up the church, to feed the poor, to walk in righteousness, to put off sin, to take heart, to do not fear, to preach the gospel, to be filled with the Spirit, to be strengthened by grace, to make disciples, and the list goes on and on and on. These commands in the Bible, but so does our discipleship with Jesus. And so as we grow and follow in Christ, hopefully there is more and more and more obedience in our heart and in our lives. And like, like the good news of this is we're not called to do this in our own strength. We're called to do this by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Because Jesus is not just our Savior, He is also our Lord. And so we need to acknowledge Him as King. Like His, his ways are greater than ours. Like His plans are greater than our plans could ever be. And this is freeing for us. Like, who here, who here knows the game Simon Says, right? Like, I love this game. I like, it's a great game, and it's just so simple. Like, just so simple. Simon says something, and you do it. If Simon doesn't say something, you don't do it. Like, imagine if our walks with Jesus was the same as that. And yet, somewhere along the lines, we've, take, we've taken Jesus Says and made it a completely new game. Like, we don't actually have to do what he says. We just kind of memorize it, and we can quote it back, and that's, that's enough for us. Like, imagine, imagine if that was true. Like, when Addy grows up, my son, if I ask him to go clean his room, imagine if he comes back to me 10 minutes later and goes, yeah, Dad, I've got it. Ready? Go clean your room. Nailed it. Memorized it. In fact, I can even say it in Greek. I don't know it in Greek, but, <laughs> like, that's not what I asked him. I asked him to go clean his room. And then imagine if he comes to me and he goes, and also, Dad, I've invited all my friends over. We can do a little study of what it would look like to actually clean your room. Like, at some point, he actually has to clean his room to be obedient to what I'm saying. And yet, I think sometimes we do this as Christians. Yeah, let's go make disciples. Yeah, awesome. Like, are we actually making disciples? Yeah, preach the gospel. Yeah, it's the power of God and salvation. Like, are we actually preaching the gospel? Yeah, I don't like my neighbor, but I love him. Like, really? We're called to love one another. There has to become a point where we actually obey Jesus and obey him as the king of our lives, have rule and reign that he only deserves. And so we need to follow Jesus. So I want to encourage us as a church, as we read his word, 
as we spend time in prayer, as we hear sermons, as we go to life group in community and the truths of the Bible are revealed to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, would we apply them to our lives? Would we be obedient to those commands, to live as he lives? The call for us is obedience to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of the Father. Like that's our call, obedience to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of the Father. Like after Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands, he says this, and I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Because he knows we can't do this in our own strength. And so it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's a partnership between us and the Spirit as we walk in obedience to Christ for the glory of the Father. But we need to be serious about obedience. I think, I think sometimes in our kind of Western church, we've taken the word obedience and kind of think that it means, means legalism. And so kind of the call and the push for obedience to Christ is like, nah, it's not about that, Shane. It's just about relationships. And yes, it is about relationships. But our relationship with Jesus should lead us to obedience to him as we see him as King Jesus. Because his ways are better. And so yes, following Jesus is about communion with Jesus. It's about obedience to Jesus. But it's also about surrender to Jesus. And I think surrender to Jesus is fundamental. It's kind of the beginning of our discipleship. Like how we become disciples and we surrender our life to Christ and accept his free life because of what he has done on the cross, his forgiveness and his grace. We become new cre creations because of him. And so following Jesus is about surrender. Jesus says in, in Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? The call to follow Jesus is a call to self-deny. To deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him to lay down who we are and what we desire to, that we might find it in Jesus, that we might find true, abundant life in Him. It's not a 12-step program to become better people. Like, that's not what laying our life down for Jesus is. We're going to join a, a group of people that is going to do better and knuckle it up. No, it's laying down all that we are for Him. And so, like, what does life mean here? What does it mean to lay down a life? It's, I don't think it's just this physical laying. It's not just become a martyr. It's laying down every ounce of who we are and our entire lives to Him. So laying down our wills for God's will. Laying down our desires for God's desires. Laying down our hopes and our dreams for the future in exchange for His hopes and His dreams. Why? Because His ways are better. Like way better. His desires for us are better than our desires for ourselves. And we know this. Self-denial is laying down our lives. It's not, it's not becoming someone else. Like we still retain our personality and who God has made us as distinct people. But it's laying down our own agendas and saying, God, what would you have for me in this world? What do you have for me in this life? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who lived under kind of the Nazi regime, he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And it summed up what a Christian calling was to follow Jesus. He writes this, When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And what he's saying is we need to come and die to ourselves. 
die to our desires to live lives that we want to live, the way we want to live them, and place our trust and faith in Jesus, who is going to lead us as we follow him into a better life than we could even imagine, into a greater life than we could even fathom. That's what it is to lay our lives down for Jesus. That's what it is to follow Jesus. And our hope is that more and more every single day, we would do this. We would follow Jesus more. We would look more like Jesus as we lay our lives down and, and take on his character and his desires and his will for our lives forever and ever and ever until he comes back again. And we can do this in confidence. Like we can do this, we can lay our lives down for Jesus because he is trustworthy. And we're gonna speak more about that next week because, but he has promised that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. And so we can lay our lives down for Jesus. Why? Because that is what he has done for us. He has laid his life down for us on the cross. He has submitted his will to the Father's will, gone to the cross, died the death that we deserve, and then rose again in victory, defeating death and sin. And he sits at the right hand and now all authority is on him. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so we can trust him. We can easily now as Christians lay our lives down for him because he laid his life down for us in death so we can lay our lives down for him in life. Like as we lay our lives down, we actually find our lives in him because our surrender isn't just about dying to self. It's also about finding true, abundant, joyous life in Jesus in the way he has desired for us to live. Like following Jesus is going to cost you something. But not following Jesus is going to cost you everything. But Jesus desires to lead us into true and everlasting life. Obedience isn't just a bunch of rules. It's a, it's a gateway to true and everlasting life, the way that we have been designed. Because he has designed us with a plan and a purpose and he has gifted us and he has anointed us and he has called us. Like we're here for a reason. And in our surrender to Jesus, we find that life, that true life that we were created to live. And so in one sense, yeah, Bonhoeffer's right. It is a call to come and die. But I think in the end, it's actually a call to come and live, to come and truly live for Jesus, in Jesus, to the glory of the Father. And so if we're being honest, which I hope we are, do our lives resemble those who have surrendered everything and all to King Jesus? Do our lives resemble those who have surrendered it all to Jesus? Or have we just given him part of our lives? Have we just given him part of our finances? Have we just given him part of our desires, part of our week, part of our Sunday? Because Jesus doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you. I think we need to ask the question, do our lives resemble those who have been submitted, surrendered to the rule and reign of King Jesus? Knowing that in that, we will find true life. Because I want to encourage us. Let's continue to grow in our following of Jesus. Continue to grow in our discipleship of Jesus by laying down our lives for him. But denying ourselves and asking him, hey, what's your will for me today, God? Like, what is your will for me this week? God? What is your will for me this year? What is your will for my marriage? What is your will for our relationships? What is your will for me as a father and our kids? And, and some of this we already know because we have his word but it's about walking in obedience to that knowledge in surrender to ourselves. And then as the band come up, I want to finish with this. 
Because the call to follow Jesus, as much as it is a call to surrender and obedience and communion, I think sometimes we forget, like, where are we actually following Jesus? A call to follow Jesus, where, where are we actually following him? Because what I want to argue that in following Jesus, we are actually walking towards our heart's greatest desire, which is the presence of God forevermore. Like in following Jesus, we're becoming more and more like Christ, understanding joy and love and peace in our hearts towards our greatest desire, which is the presence of God forevermore. Like Jesus, unfiltered, forever. Like standing in the presence of the God of the universe forever. Fully satisfied in every way. Like that's where we're going. And so we can walk and follow Jesus in confidence. Like Jesus, after he says this, he says, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in glory of his Father, and then he will repay each according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So he's saying, hey, come lay your lives down. Like you need to lose your life in order to find it in me. And then the hope is that Jesus is gonna come back in the glory of the Father and make all things new, make all things right. Wipe away death and sickness and disease. There'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. And he's gonna establish his kingdom forevermore. And when that is our hope and that is what we're looking at, we can surrender it to Jesus because he is faithful. He is good for us. Like Jesus is coming again. And so our call as followers and our desire to grow in a deep relationship with Jesus is to allow the Holy Spirit to empower us to walk in obedience, to spend time with Him, communing with Him. And as we do that, surrendering our lives to Him, surrendering our desires, our wills, what we want in this life for what He has for us in life. And if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to come into that, to be a part of that hope, that glorious hope that only Jesus can offer us. As you follow Jesus, the only one who is worthy to be followed because what He has done for us on the cross, as He, as he died the death that we deserve 2,000 years ago, He paid the debt for all our sin, all our shortcomings, all our failures, all our shame, all our guilt taken away on that cross that like we can come, we can have a relationship with the one who created everything that you see. And so if you're not a Christian this morning, I want to invite you. Like you can invite you into that freedom and forgiveness that Jesus offers you. Would you turn to him? Would you talk to him? Would you trust in him? Because he is a savior and he is a king and he is worthy to be trusted. And so the rest of us, let's continue to grow in our discipleship of Jesus. Let's continue to spend time with him, communing with him. Continue to walk in obedience to his commands and surrender our lives to him as we become more and more and more like Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you that you are a good, good God that you are worthy. You are the only worthy one to be trusted with our lives. And as you call us to follow you, 
You do call us to a life of surrender as we lay our lives down, as we take up our cross and follow you. But you've also given us your Holy Spirit, empowered us, strengthened us, that we could walk in obedience to your commands. Lord, this week as we go out into our days, we not get distracted by everything going on around us, but we would remember one of the greatest miracles there ever is that a holy, infinite, all-powerful God dwells with wretched sinners like us. And so Holy Spirit, would you continue to remind us that you are with us to the end of the age. Would you help us to walk out following you each and every moment of our lives? And it's in your wonderful and your mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Center Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare, and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others. But please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.